Hey mamas, you're listening to the Balanced Working Mama podcast, the only podcast teaching you how to balance your work, motherhood, and wellness. I am Dr. Amber Thornton, clinical psychologist and mama wellness consultant. Each week we dive into tips and strategies and much more so that you too can become a balanced working mama. Let's dive in. Hey mamas, I hope that y'all are doing well. This is Dr. Amber here and I want to welcome you to the Balanced Working Mama podcast. If this is your very first time listening, I hope that you are um, having a great time enjoying the podcast so far. Definitely go back through some of the episodes because we are in season nine. We have 80 plus episodes and so there's so much goodness so many so many gems in this podcast but i'm glad that you're here listening today for the very first time if you've been here for a while then hey girl how you doing um so for today's episode i actually brought my um my ob um my gynecologist here to talk to us about birth control options. And she actually was my gynecologist when I had my first child, Cedric. And then I went back to her for Eden. Um, but then I, I learned that she was moving to a new state. And I was so, so, so sad about that, y'all. Like, so sad. But she and I connected. She actually recently moved back to the area. Um, she's practicing in a different area. So I'm not able to receive care from her right now. But I'm excited to connect with her soon just as friends because she and I became close. And um, we're really able to resonate on a lot of things. So I hit her up and I was like, hey, can you talk to my podcast audience about birth control options and truthfully y'all I wanted to talk to her about this because I at the time was in a place where I was trying to learn and figure out what I was going to be doing um, for birth control we I have made a decision that we have officially solidified our family I am not interested in having more children and so I felt like if I am needing something like this then there might be other people who might be needing this too so she and I talked about all of the options that are currently available and so I decided to bring this conversation to you so I hope that this is a um, useful whole conversation for you um if you enjoy it, let me know and I might bring her back for some other topics. So for instance, in this episode, we briefly touched on the topic of fibroids and how that is so prevalent in the black community. And so maybe bringing her back for a conversation about that too. Either way, I hope y'all enjoy this episode. Give it a listen, share it with another mama you know, and let's get into it. Hey mamas, so we have another really special guest today. I am so excited to talk with her. Um, she and I actually have a really special connection in that she was my um, OB nurse practitioner when I had my first son, Cedric. Um, she was amazing. Like, I, well, I'm gonna just let her introduce herself um, and then what we're talking about today. And I'll tell you all a little bit more about our connection, but please, Sabrina, will you introduce yourself for us? Sure, sure. So I'm Sabrina Neal. Um, like um, Dr. Thornton mentioned, um, I'm a family nurse practitioner who specializes in um, OB and gynecological care. And I had the privilege of meeting her uh, during her pregnancy with her son. Um, I've been a nurse practitioner for about six years. 
And my focus has mainly been in women's health. Um, I enjoy um, kind of empowering women to make decisions for themselves and help them be the healthiest version of themselves they can be, which kind of leads us into what we're talking about today. Yes. So she, y'all, she was like my first OB. And so, you know, you all know the story of like me having my first child. I was very nervous and Sabrina knows that <laughs> I was just very nervous. And so what I explained to Sabrina was like having, and I'll say it again here, having you um, be my, my OB for that, that pregnancy was just so, it was everything I needed, like truly. And again, I'll, I'll say it again. I know you've heard me say this before. Like you just helped me to like, just be very calm and centered and focused. And I know you were pregnant at the time. So that also was something that we bonded over. Like we literally were like weeks apart, but like, I just cannot thank you enough because I was so scared and nervous throughout that pregnancy, but like being able to see you every month. And like, when we got later into it every few weeks, um, and you were always so like calm and centered and just really gave me the, the stability I needed to like get through it. So I just wanted to thank you again. <laughs> it, it meant so much to me. And then y'all, so like Sabrina left, she moved um, to be closer to her family, which is fine, but it wasn't fine for me. And so when I was pregnant with Eden, I was excited, like, oh, yes, I'm going to see Sabrina again. And then like, literally, I think we had like two um, appointments. And at the second appointment, she was like, so I'm leaving. And I tried so hard not to cry, but I boohooed. <laughs> and I was so sad. So I just want to remind, I was so sad, but either way, I'm so glad that you're doing well and you're closer to family. Cause I know that that's so important, but ooh, it was hard losing you. <laughs> it was. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I'm really excited to talk about the topic of birth control. Um, and so, you know, I think a lot of mamas that are listening are going to get so much benefit out of this conversation. Um, so I personally recently um, decided to go the route of birth control because I do not want to have more children. And so I really needed to make sure that that was not going to happen. And so, um, and I'll share about, you know, the, the method that I chose as we talk more about um, the ones that you talk about. But I first wanted to ask you, what makes the topic of birth control just feel kind of complex for mothers or tricky to even talk about or think about? That is a very good question question. So the decision to start birth control, it is a sometimes confusing and hard decision to make, A, because there's so many options out there, um, B, because everyone has a friend or a family member who's had either a positive experience with birth control or a not so great experience with birth control, which adds to the, the difficulty making the decision um, in terms of what birth control is going to work best for you. But the decision is very um, individualized to the patient or the other, other woman. Um, so today, I hope that some of the things that we talk about will help make that decision a little bit easier. Yeah, and I, I like what you said is, it, you know, the decision is a very personal one. And so what's best for me might not be best for the next person and vice versa. Um, but in general, what are some of the things that we should be thinking about or, or factors that we should consider, you know, as we start to think about a birth control method for ourselves? Good question. Um, so the first question that I always have um, 
patients kind of think about is whether they are finished with having children um, or if they desire to have children, how soon do they plan to have children? Um, that's the first question I always ask because that will help kind of guide which method would probably be the best for, for you. Um, the second thing that we always kind of keep in mind is your past medical history. So there are certain types of medical conditions where you should not be on a hormonal type of birth control. Um, there are conditions such as heavy periods or painful periods, which can also help kind of guide the decision as to what method would be most effective for you. Wow. Huh. These are things I did not consider before I... <laughs> I went for it. So I, I'm again, so grateful to be talking to you. And in my head, I'm hoping like, Ooh, after what, after this conversation, I'm hoping I chose the right method for me. Um, <laughs> but that it's interesting that you said the first thing of, you know, are you, you know, finished having children or do you want to have more later? I think that's definitely something that um, came into play for me. I know I do not want to have more children. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that for women who know they don't want to have any more children, um, it is more okay to do something that might feel more permanent or more long-term versus mm -hmm. if you're thinking like, well, I don't want to have kids now, but maybe in two years, um, it might be something different. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, and so there was something else that you said that kind of like leads me to the next question when you said everybody knows someone who's had either a positive experience or a negative experience. And I think the thing about birth control is like we all know someone who's had a negative experience. Like people don't often talk about their positive experiences with things, but they will absolutely let you know <laughs> the things that went wrong. And I think that's the thing that has often scared me about birth control options is because you hear the negative things. But I, I guess I want to ask you in general, is birth control safe for most women? Yes, birth control is absolutely safe um, for, for most individuals. Again, there are, everyone is different. So there are some birth control options like pills or things like IUD that work great for one person and they may not necessarily be so great for the other person. So it's unfortunately, it can lead to like kind of a trial and error type of situation where you try one thing and doesn't really work, but usually there is something out there for you that is going to be effective. Okay, cool. So the next thing I want to ask you, and this is going to take time, but I'm really <laughs> hoping that you will like kind of just walk us through maybe like the top five or six frequently used options or you know the, the maybe like the top five or six options that um are most commonly chosen and, and in this conversation I'm really hoping that we can talk about like one how does this method work how how effective is it what are the pros what are the cons and maybe kind of like what you were saying before what lifestyle might this be best suited for so okay for anybody who's listening, this is your time to take out your notes, your, your pen and your paper, your notes app, whatever it is, um, because Sabrina's really going to walk us through, you know, the ins and outs of a lot of different birth control methods. And I'll have some questions, but yeah, what, where should we start? So I usually like to start with um, kind of go from least effective to most effective birth control. And a lot of times that will kind of help you make the decision as to what you want to choose. I love that. That's a great way to go. Okay, let's do it. So um, 
least effective. So the first method that some patients will um, try is called the withdrawal method or pullout method. Um, about one in five women will get pregnant using that method, but it does work for some individuals. But as you can see by the, the numbers, it's not that effective, okay? Um, some reasons why individuals would use this, um, not necessarily wanting to be on birth control um, or wanting to take kind of a natural approach to, uh, to kind of planning their pregnancy. Um, so that's one method. Um, other methods are barrier methods. So those are things like condoms. So Condoms are, there are condoms for men, condoms for females. Um, they are about 82% effective. Um, there is a, a slight, you know, fail rate because they can break, they can come off and you have to use them from start to finish, uh, you know, to prevent pregnancy. So the benefits again of condoms is that it's easily accessible. It's something that you can purchase yourself over the counter or pick up from your local health department or your, um, your own GYN, um, your like nurse practitioner or doctor. Um, other benefits are um, it's not hormonal. So you don't have to necessarily wor worry about side effects. Um, some of the cons of them is that they do break, they can come off. Um, some women are extra sensitive to latex. So sometimes they can cause vaginal irritation. Um, if that occurs, there are non-latex condoms out there that you can purchase as well. Um, Sometimes condoms can cause some dryness for some individuals. So I always encourage you to use um, a water-based lubricant like KY Jelly or Astroglide, which can help to prevent the dryness. Okay. Um, well, have there is, oh, go ahead. oh, I'm sorry. I was going to go back because I have a, well, not a question, but yes. the very first one you mentioned, the withdrawal method, it's mm -hmm. hilarious because- <laughs> Um, so in the community, um, we recently had a conversation in our community about birth control. And so some of our mamas, it was, we had, we all had a really good laugh about like so many of us either have tried in the past or we're currently trying the pullout method or withdraw yeah. and just kind of like laughing about like, yeah, this is what we're doing now, but <laughs> like, you know, as far as like the effectiveness or whatever. And I, I know for me and, you know, what some of the mama said, you know, that was a method that felt um, useful in a moment where it was like, we were kind of in like a transient state. It was like, you know, maybe we're like open to being pregnant, but it doesn't have to be now, but if it happens, it's okay. Um, yeah. Or like in between children when like, you know, we had one child, we knew we wanted to have another, but just kind of like on the fence about it, that was a time <laughs> when we would do that. Um, but that's definitely something, it just surprised me. It was hilarious when we were talking about that in our community that um, that's that's a thing that many of the mamas are doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And then, and so it sounds like condom use would be um, second in terms of least effectiveness. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what you find, and so I'm something I'm thinking about with condom use, because it is something you have to do every time, is that like a barrier as well? It's like, maybe sometimes people just don't do it, or maybe it's not available. So then it just not, it doesn't happen. Yeah, so it definitely can be a barrier. Um, one thing that I find is that a lot of times when you're in the moment um, mm -hmm. of, about to have sex, there is a moment where you have to make a decision. I'm going to stop to put yeah. this condom on. And unfortunately, more times than none, that process doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's also this misconception that 
okay, if I start without a condom and I finish with one, then it decreases the likelihood that I will get pregnant. And that is actually not true. So you can get pregnant before your partner climaxes because your partners, just like you have like vaginal secretions that secrete during sex, partners also have secretions as well. And there can be small amounts of sperm in there. So you, you definitely still could get pregnant. Yep. Okay. That makes sense to me. Okay. <laughs> Which one is next? So there's this new, um, fairly new vaginal um, contraceptive gel called Sexy that's out there. Um, so this is a vaginal gel that you can insert 10 minutes prior to you having sex. And what it does is it changes the pH balance in the vagina, which makes it difficult for you to get pregnant. Now, when we look at the data for this particular type of birth control, it's about 70% effective, 76% effective. Um, One of the benefits of using this is that it's something that you can use in the moment of. It lasts for two hours. So like if you're going out to dinner, during dinner, go to the bathroom, insert it, and you're good for two hours and it can help to prevent pregnancy. Um, One of the, I guess, um, like disadvantages of it is because it's changing the pH balance, it could lead to vaginal infections. So things like yeast infections, bacterial vaginosis. So for individuals who are prone to vaginal infections, I wouldn't necessarily recommend this for you. Um, it also can cause like vaginal irritation for some people and it's not hundred percent. So it's not fail proof. So there's still a possible, possible chance that you could get pregnant, but this would be a great option for someone who, um, either is not um, you know, interested in using barrier methods like condoms um, or has like allergies to latex, has have tried like the, non-sex, the non-latex condoms and have had problems with it. Um, or um, if you're just someone who, where you just don't know when things are going to happen and you need to do something before you're actually in that situation, this would be a, a great method for you. Right. Huh. That's interesting. I've never heard of this one. What is the name of it again? It's called Sexy, um, P-H-E-X-X-I. I hadn't heard of it. A patient actually came in to see me and she requested it. So then I started doing a little bit of research about it and yeah, it, it works for most individuals. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, and again, this is why you are here to talk to us about these things that otherwise I would have no clue about. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay, well, what's the next one? So that leads us to things like um, diaphragms, spermicides. Um, diaphragms are still a thing, they're not extinct. Um, and diaphragms are, you used to have to come in and get fitted for it in like the, in your doctor's office, but now they have quite a few that are just like one size fits all. Um, and the way that they work is um, you put a little bit of spermicide inside of the diaphragm and insert it in the vagina. And you usually it can stay in place up to two hours before sex, but if it's been more than two hours since insertion and you haven't had sex, then you need to add more spermicide to it. Um, but it's another great method for individuals who don't necessarily want to be on hormonal type of birth control. You want to be able to kind of control the situation in terms of you being able to insert it and take it out whenever you want to. It- it needs to stay in place, however, at least six. Um, so it is in terms of efficacy, um, the diaphragm is about 
76% effective. Um, so there's still, you know, there's still a fail rate with it, um, but it still is an option for you. Um, wow, again, I didn't, I, <laughs> I didn't know that that was still a thing, but like, it's good to know that these are still options. And so one thing that just kind of came to mind for me, it seems like the things that um, we are having to like manipulate and control ourselves are the ones that maybe have the least effectiveness. And is it because of like, just like, what do the human error or is it more exactly okay yeah majority of the time the fail rate has to do with human error if you eliminate most of the time if you eliminate that one causative agent that usually kind of messes up the flow which is ourselves um due to just life in general and you will see where the the efficacy of methods will increase um if you just eliminate that one factor which is which is human error um in terms of, of being effective Okay, that is so good to know. Okay, well, what's the next one? So this is gonna lead us to um, your more kind of um, known methods, things like birth control pills, um, Depo-Provera. So um, with birth control pills, there are two different types, believe it or not. So most individuals are on what we call combined oral contraception. And those are basically your kind of quotation mark, normal birth control that has estrogen and progesterone in it. Um, so the way that it works, it does require you to take a pill every day. Okay. So if you're someone who is like me and you're busy and you, every day is different, it probably won't be the best method. For you. <laughs> um, but if you're someone who's very structured, you can set an alarm and you remember to take it, then it's a great method for you. Okay. Um, so with the first type of birth control, which is the combined birth control, um, the way that it works, it actually stops ovulation, okay? So ovulation is the release of an egg that most women have every month. So it stops ovulation. So therefore there's nothing that's there to get fertilized. It also um, thickens cervical mucus. So um, everyone has like mucus that is inside of the cervix and sperm kind of make their way through the cervix to the uterus. So if that mucus is thickened, then it makes it more difficult for sperm to kind of make their way in there. Okay. So that's how it, it kind of prevents you from getting pregnant. Now, with that being said, um, the benefits of being on this particular type of birth control is A, you control it. You can start it when you want to. You can stop it when you want to. So you don't have to schedule an appointment to come in and see anybody. You control it yourself. Okay. Um, in terms of convenience, for most people, your insurance will have let the pharmacy give you at least three packs um, at a time. So you don't necessarily have to go to the pharmacy every month to pick up the birth control. Okay. Um, and then for most individuals, there usually is no cost or low cost um, in terms of coverage. Um, so it's pretty cost effective for most individuals. Um, when we talk about how effective birth control pills are, the numbers are going to go up. So it's about 91 to 95% effective as long as you can remember to take it every day. Okay. Um, common side effects. So initially when you start birth control pills, most people will experience nausea. Um, most people will experience um, breast tenderness. Um, some individuals will have spotting or irregular bleeding um, for the first couple of months of taking it. 
a small percentage of uh, women will actually experience mood changes. Okay. Um, so this doesn't mean that if you have like pre-existing like uh, mental um, diagnosis that you, you can't take it. It doesn't mean that, but I would caution you to kind of watch your mood um, just to see if you're noticing any type of like um, changes at all. Okay. Um, for this particular type of birth control, one of the, the pluses is that it regulates your period. So you almost always will have predictable bleeding after that first initial couple of months, okay? Um, your bleeding usually is less than what you typically see during your period. And if you're someone who has pain during your period, it almost always decreases the pain for you, okay? Um, so it is great. Um, and then estrogen is actually great for your skin. So if you're someone who has issues with acne, it will clear it up for you for most individuals, okay? So those are kind of the pluses of this particular type of birth control. Um, most providers will tell you to take it at the same time every day. Honestly, with this particular birth control, if you take it a few hours late, you're fine. Um, nothing will really come, come of it, but you do need to keep in mind that it takes about one week, so seven days for it to prevent pregnancy. So even once you initiate it, you wanna make sure you're using a barrier method like condoms. Okay, now some of the uh, more serious side effects of it, estrogen actually increases the risk for things like blood clots in the legs, blood clots in the lungs, which can lead to things like stroke and heart attack. So if you are someone who has like uncontrolled high blood pressure or um, migraine with aura, meaning that you can tell that your migraine is coming on, you're seeing having blurry vision, you get nauseous before migraine, you are, that means that you're an individual who should not be on estrogen. So you shouldn't be on this type of birth control. Okay. So um, it's very important that if you are on this birth control, that you follow up with your provider once a year, just to make sure that things are okay. Nothing's changing. Um, but it, and it is a great form of birth control. Okay. Yeah. I actually was on birth control pills for years in college. Um, <laughs> for a number of reasons. Um, but one thing that I will say, it absolutely cleared up my skin um, because I have had acne all of my life. And so when I was on that birth control, I think it was probably the estrogen, but also just like stopping my ovulation because I've also had issues with PCOS. Um, so it absolutely cleared up my skin. Um, and I'm a very organized and structured person. So I took my pill every day. I never missed it. <laughs> and so it really worked well for me back then. But I will say the thing that kind of scared me about taking it now was, you know, the serious side effect that you said. Um, and so I guess my question is how likely is that to happen for someone who doesn't have the conditions that you mentioned? So even if you don't have those types of conditions, there's still a small percentage. So I would say less than 2% chance that you could experience, you know, the more serious type of side effects. I've had healthy patients take birth control pills and end up, you know, with a blood clot in the lungs. Um, and then I've had, you know, the, my unhealthy or, or my patients who have like risk factors um, be on it and nothing happened to them. So there's no way to really predict if you will be someone who kind of has the more serious side effects, but it's something that you definitely should consider when, you know, you're thinking about what form of birth control you want to start. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. So um, the, the second type of pill is called a progesterone only pill or the mini pill. 
This is a birth control that a lot of women, if they're interested in pills after having babies, will get started on um, after they go in for their postpartum visit. So this particular pill is a progesterone-only pill. Um, and the way that it works again is that it thickens the cervical mucus and it thins the lining in the uterus as well to make it difficult for implantation, meaning that the egg and the, 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 the egg to implant in the inside of the uterus. So it makes it harder for that to happen. Now with this particular pill, you have to take this bad boy at the same time every day. If you are more than three hours late with this pill, you can get pregnant. So when we talk about efficacy, it is still about 91 to 92% effective as long as you can remember to take it every day. But again, if you're someone who has a busy schedule, you don't, you sleep, you know, all day or your schedule changes, you're up at night one day and then not, then you're sleeping the next, then you probably want to consider a different form of birth control. I was on this form of birth control. I loved it. I didn't have any problems with it at all, um, but I just couldn't remember to take it. So I decided, you know, this one isn't going to work for me. Um, but the side effects are the same as the, the combined birth control. So you may experience um, breast tenderness, nausea, mood swings. You act actually may see acne with this particular type of birth control. So that's something for you to kind of keep in mind. Um, it's not uncommon for you to have irregular bleeding or spotting with it too, because the estrogen is not there. So keep in mind, estrogen regulates your pure cycle. Progesterone, not so much. So you could have unpredictable bleeding with it. And it's probably the, the number one patient dissatisfier is the just unpredictable bleeding. But again, a great method. Wow, this is already so helpful. <laughs> Great. Now, um, if you're someone, you, you're thinking, okay, you know what? I like pills. Um, I like the, the combined pills. Sounds kind of interesting to me, but I don't think I could do something every day. There's still other options that have estrogen that can help you. So one is called Nuvarine. Um, it actually has estrogen and progesterone, just like the first pill that we talked and the way that you use it, you insert it inside of the vagina and it stays there for three weeks. And on week four, you remove it. And that's typically when you see your period or withdrawal bleeding. Um, and it works just like the birth control pill. So it thickens the cervical mucus. It sometimes will help kind of thin that lining inside of the uterus to prevent implantation. And it stops ovulation as well. Okay. Now, one of, well, I'll, I'll say some of the um, side effects of this particular type of uh, birth control, because it goes in the vagina, sometimes it can increase the risk for things like yeast infection, um, bacterial vaginosis for some people. So I always caution women, if you have a history of vaginal infections, you, you may or may not experience more infections with this particular type of birth control. Um, but for the most part, most women do really well with it. There are some women who will find it kind of uncomfortable um, to insert in the vagina. So you have to kind of be comfortable with like touching and inserting and removing. And some patients aren't necessarily comfortable doing that. Okay. And then the last method in this category is the patch. Um, so the contraceptive patch. 
Um, so again, it has estrogen and progesterone in it, okay? And it's just a patch that you can place on your, um, your abdomen, your thigh, your back, your arm, um, and your body absorbs the hormones that way, okay? Um, and the way that it works, again, similar to the birth control pill, it um, stops ovulation, it um, thickens cervical mucus and thins the lining inside of the uterus. Now, um, the side effects with this particular type of birth control are, or I'll, I'll say the risk are higher with this particular type of birth control because there's more estrogen in it. So when we talk about the risk for like blood clots in the legs and lungs, the risk is going to be a little bit higher with this particular birth control because there is more estrogen in this in this method. Um, other side effects that some people will see, um, it has adhesive and that's how it kind of sticks to your skin. So some people will develop a rash from that. Um, most people do fine, but you could notice some irritation to the skin um, where you have the, the patch place. But the way that you use it, each week you put a new patch on your body um, and after seven days you remove it and you place another one. So you do that consecutively for three weeks. On week four, you take it off and that's when you see your period or withdrawal bleeding. Um, and it's great at regulating your period. So benefits, regulate your period, you control it, um, less bleeding during your period, less pain during your period. Okay. So this would be most beneficial for someone who's busy. Um, you, you like the idea of being able to know when you're going to have bleeding, no guesswork, take the guesswork out of it for you. Um, and um, you, you, you're not someone who's going to remember to take a pill every day. This would be a great option for you. Okay. Wow. And it just, it, it just amazes me how there's so many other options. I think like we often just hear for like one or two maybe three, um, but there you've already named so many that I'm like, oh, wow, of course. Yeah, that's one. That's one. I forgot. Okay. So, wow. I'm amazed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that leads us to um, what, what I refer to um, as our long acting reversible, con reversible contraceptives. You may hear the, the term LARP um, as well. Um, so, the next one is called Depo-Provera um, or the shot um, is the other, other name for it. So this is a progesterone only injection that you receive every three months, okay? Um, and the way that it works is it, you still ovulate with this particular type of, um, of birth control, but it actually thins the lining inside of the uterus to make it harder for implantation to take place and it thickens the cervical mucus, okay? Um, the benefit of being on this type of birth control, you don't have to remember to do something every day. You're good for three whole months, so you don't have to worry about anything, but again, it's not initially, or it's not effective initially once you receive it, so we usually recommend that you use a barrier method like condoms for seven days, okay? Um, so some of the side effects that you may see from this, a big one that is probably the huge, the biggest patient's dissatisfier is weight gain. So weight gain is associated with Depo-Provera because it increases your appetite. So I would say out of the patients that I see, probably 85% of patients will gain weight on Depo-Provera because it increases your appetite. So one recommendation that I have for patients is just expect that you're going to be hungrier than usual, but also make sure that you're choosing healthier diet uh, or food options. So um, don't, 
don't eat fast food every time you feel the urge to, you know, to eat. When you feel hungry, don't eat a full meal, just kind of snack. Um, and a lot of times it can help kind of combat the, the, the weight gain for you. Wow. And what is um, it about, what is it about that shot that causes the increase in appetite? And is it something that's like the entire time or is it just like a temporary side effect? That's a good question. Um, I don't know specifically what causes the increase at all. Um, but I know that it, that it, that it just does. Yeah. It's a, it's a different form of progesterone. Um, so it could be that, but I've never really looked into the, the data to see exactly what causes it. And most people have the increased appetite the entire time that they're on. <laughs> yeah. So it's not something where it just wears off after a couple of months for most individuals. For most people, they will notice the definitely increased appetite, which leads to the increased uh, weight gain. Yeah, yeah. Um, when we talk about irregular bleeding or kind of unpredictable bleeding with Depo-Provera, it's hit or miss. So most women do not get a period with this particular type of birth control because it, again, it thins the lining. So then you have to kind of ask yourself, am I someone who's going to be super like anxious and worried when I don't see my period? Or am I someone where if my period isn't here, I'm happy because I'm saving money on having to buy tampons? So some people look at it as a victory each month when they don't get their, when they get their period. Uh, so you, you also have to kind of consider that. So um, one thing I always try to explain to patients is that when you don't get a period, it does not mean that anything is building up inside of you. Um, your uterus does not need to clean out. The hormone is doing that for you. So the hormone is keeping the lining thin in the uterus for you. So you're not at risk for anything. Um, so that's one, one thing I wanna kind of clear up for. Um, a lot of people have this misconception about not getting a period. As long yeah. as you're on a birth control that's doing it for you, you're good. That actually was, kind of a question that I had because I, I do know that it it's okay to not have a period when you're mm -hmm. on birth control but then I was wondering and this might be very technical but I, I heard you say that you're still ovulating but the lining of your uterus is not building up so what happens to the egg <laughs> good question it just doesn't implant mm -hmm. it doesn't implant so it just kind of goes away Interesting. so it just like your body kind of reabsorbs interesting oh my gosh our bodies are so amazing they are <laughs> yeah, that's so good they definitely are <laughs> so um the other thing about depo provera that i always want patients to know is that once you stop depo meaning say it's been three months and you decide oh you know what i don't want to use this method anymore i'm ready to have a baby it can take a while for your period or fertility uh, to return when you're on depo. For women who are planning to have a baby in the next year, um, I usually will discourage them from starting depo provera. So that's the one birth control where you don't control when your period starts back, okay? So for most methods, once you discontinue it, you're fertile and you can get pregnant. And with Depo-Provera, you could get pregnant, but we also see where people are trying to get pregnant after Depo and it can take three months, four months, five months for your period to return, which makes it a little bit more difficult in terms of planning for pregnancy and trying for pregnancy.
Okay. Um, so Depo-Provera is about 94% effective, um, very effective. Um, it's a great method um, for, for individuals. Um, that brings us to Nespanon. So we're moving towards our implants or things that you have to come see your provider to get done. Okay. So Nespanon is a progesterone only implant. It's actually a little rod that we place in the inner um, aspect of the upper arm, okay? Um, the way that it works, um, you still ovulate. Um, it actually, again, thins the lining inside of the uterus, makes, making it harder for implantation to take place and it thickens the cervical mucus for you. Um, so with Nexplanon, the way that it works, we give you some numbing medication in the office and then we insert the rod directly under the skin. So in terms of um, what you experience, you do feel some discomfort with insertion initially, just the, the numbing medication that we give causes a lot of burning, but afterwards you don't feel pain. Once the anesthesia wears off, you may feel some achiness um, for the next day or two, okay? Um, so there is risk for scarring because it is something that we're placing in the body. So there's potential risk for scarring, infection, bleeding. We do things in the office during the procedure to prevent that from happening, okay? But next one on is good for three years. Now, this does not mean you have to keep it for three years. You can take it out in a year. You can take it out in six months if you want to. Um, but it does give you a little bit longer protection. So this is great for someone, again, who's not going to remember to do something every day. Um, you um, are not a candidate for estrogen or you're someone who um, um, is not necessarily planning to have a baby right away, okay? Uh, potential side effects, it can cause irregular bleeding or unpredictable bleeding for patients because it has, only has progesterone, but usually your bleeding is a lot less than what you typically see during your period. It does not regulate your period. So if you're someone who was having irregular bleeding before, you have the next one on, it's not going to regulate your bleeding for you, but there's a high chance that you won't get a period or the bleeding will be less than what you're used to. Seeing. Okay. Um, it also could help to improve pain if you're someone who typically has pain during your period. Um, it's about 98 to 99% effective. Okay. So you're going to see where the, the efficacy rate is going to increase with the, the kind of long acting reversible contraception. That's super effective. <laughs> like oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we um, we always encourage columns again for seven days, so a full week, because it's not immediately um, effective against pregnancy, but it is a great, it's a great method. In terms of when you want it removed, you schedule an appointment with your provider. What we do is we um, numb the area, um, we make an incision and we remove it. it. Takes a little bit longer to remove than to place it, um, but that's something that we, we do for you in the office. And then once the next banana is out, you're considered for Okay, that leads us to our almost last topic. So IUD. Um, so this is what Dr. Thornton is using currently. Uh, <laughs> so there are two types. There are non-hormonal IUDs, um, Paragard or the copper IUD is the name of it. And then there are hormonal IUDs or progesterone only IUDs. And there are quite a few of them, Mirena, Kylina, Skyla, and Lyletta. Okay. So the non-hormonal IUD um, is good for 10 years, okay? It does not mean that you have to keep it for that amount of time, but it will protect you against pregnancy for 10 years, okay? 
there are no hormones in the Paragard IUD. So your, your, you still get your period. So whatever your, your um, menstrual cycle is like prior to you, you know, getting the Paragard, meaning whether it's regular or irregular, it will continue to be what it was. It will not regulate your period for you, okay? Um, a small percentage of women will notice a slight increase in the bleeding, not to the point where it's like heavy, 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 but you will notice a, a slight increase in the amount of bleeding you have each month. And then a small percentage of women also experience a little bit more cramping during their period, okay? Um, so those are two things that I always like to warn patients about. Um, there's a definitely a chance where you could have a place and you don't experience anything outside of just pregnancy prevention, okay? Um, but in terms of efficacy, it's about 98 to 99% effective. Again, um, these types of contraception are good for people who don't necessarily want to have kids anymore or want to space out their pregnancies, um, someone who wouldn't remember to take a pill every day, someone who can't be on any type of hormonal therapy, just given like their, their previous experiences or their past medical history. Um, the Paragard or the non-hormonal IUD is the only birth control that we place that is immediately effective against pregnancy, okay? So for a lot of times for patients who may be in situations where they are being um, coerced into having sex by partners, um, they may come in a day after and have this Paragard placed for pregnancy prevention right away, but also it could help to prevent them from getting pregnant from that previous encounter. Um, so it is kind of used as emergency contraception at times. Wow, I did not know that. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's super interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my yeah. God. And what I was, so I was doing my own research just with regard to my own decision and I knew I wanted to go the route of an IUD. Um, and what I read about the non-hormonal, which I ended up getting the hormonal, but what I read about the non-hormonal is that the reason why it, and again, you tell me if this is correct or not. Yes. Um, the reason why it acts so fast is because it kind of, um, I guess what it does to the uterus when it's in there. And so there's no hormones, but it's more so what the impact that it's having to the uterus, it's pretty immediate. And yes, I think exactly. what I read, it was that it would, it causes like inflammation, but I don't know if that's the correct way to say that. Um, yeah. but it basically like causes inflammation in the uterus that does not allow for a pregnancy to be viable. Exactly. The way I describe it to patients is that the copper creates this hostile environment in the mm. uterus that <laughs> prevents pregnancy. So it's just like, it's creating this, this environment where if it spots sperm, it's just like, nope, you can't survive. So it just like kind of kills it all. So mm -hmm. yeah, it creates this kind of hostile environment. The copper does that. Um, so the sperm can't, can't survive. Yeah. So I know, so I have a question. I don't know if you get this question a lot with the copper one. I know like what I was reading and what kind of made me nervous too, is just the idea of like your uterus being inflamed all the time or yeah. irritated all the time. Is that okay? Or is it something that is not okay? I'm assuming that it is okay, but it just makes us feel uncomfortable. Like how do you talk women through that part of it? Yeah. So it doesn't actually cause like the type of inflammation that we think of when we, we think about like, um, infection or something being wrong, it doesn't cause that type of inflammation. So there's nothing that is necessarily happening with the tissue that prevents you from getting pregnant. So this is a different inflammation um, than like, say for instance, you have like 
tonsillitis and you look in your throat and it's inflamed and it's red and it has all this ugly stuff inside. It's different from that. So it's not type, it's not causing that type of situation. Um, but it does create uh, a sperm just when it comes into contact with the copper, it creates a, what's the best word I can, I can use? I don't even know how to describe it. Um, it just creates an environment where the sperm cannot live, it can't survive. I guess it's the equivalent of spermicide. Um, so when sperm come into contact with spermicide, they can't, they can't survive at all, they die from it. So that's the, kind of the same effect that the copper is having, but taking out the chemical aspect. Mm -hmm. Okay. That, that makes, makes sense? Yep, it makes a lot of sense, yes. <laughs> Yeah, um, but it's a great method. Um, I will say that most patients opt for the hormonal IUD because um, there are definitely some benefits to you being on the hormonal IUD. So the hormonal IUD, depending on which one that you are most interested in, it lasts anywhere from three to five years. And the FDA actually just approved Mirena um, to be effective for six years. So it offers even longer protection for you. And the way that it works, um, it thins the lining in the uterus. We kind of talked about thins the lining in the uterus, makes it difficult for implantation to take place. And it also thickens the cervical mucus. So for most women who are on the hormonal IUD, either won't get a period or you'll get a period, you have like unpredictable bleeding or spotting. Um, you may continue to get a period, but the bleeding usually is less than what you experience on a normal day um, in terms of the flow, okay? Um, for pain, it can decrease the amount of pain that you're having during your period as well. Um, I would say if I had to name like the, the cons of this method, it does require you to come into the office for procedure that is not that comfortable okay so iud insertion is very uncomfortable everyone's pain tolerance is different but it's very uncomfortable it's tolerable um does not equate to contraction pain at all but um it is it is an uncomfortable procedure um and once you have the iud place usually you can expect to have some cramping on and off of the next few days or so and we usually will have you take something like Motrin or Tylenol as long as you're not allergic um, and don't have a medical condition where you shouldn't take it. And that usually is enough to kind of help you um, with the pain. But um, again, in terms of efficacy, it's about 98 to 99% effective, okay? This is great for someone who doesn't wanna have any children anymore or wants to space out their, their, uh, their, their pregnancies. Um, this is great for someone who has like painful periods, heavy periods, because it will help kind of deal with those. Um, fibroids, so if you have like uterine fibroids, um, progesterone only methods are great at decreasing the heavy bleeding that you can see with fibroids as well. Um, with birth control pills, the, the combined, it actually can help control the size of the fibroids. You don't see that so much with the progesterone only method. So um, that's something for you to kind of think about. I did not know that. Um, actually, it's funny, the topic of fibroids are coming up a lot now too. And I think it's just because like we're of that age where I'm hearing yeah. a lot of women who are like finding out they have fibroids and, and dealing with that. So I did not know that it helped with that. Um, 
Wow. Okay. And yeah, what you said. So my experience, I did get the Mirena. It is not a comfortable experience or, or procedure, but it was tolerable. And I had a very similar thought. I was like, if I can do labor, <laughs> I can do this for 10 minutes because it, it truly did not take long. It was a very quick procedure, but it, it was uncomfortable. Um, but for me, and every woman's experience is very different. The discomfort was not necessarily pain. It was just very uncomfortable. I wanted it to end, um, yeah. you know, but I, I did it. I survived. I'm definitely happy with my decision to no longer worry about pregnancy. <laughs> um, I know that. Exactly. One of the doctors, actually, Dr. Drowey <laughs> did mine. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> yeah, she really is. And so um, she was explaining to me, and this is something that I'm experiencing too, one of the, not that, I guess it's not a downside, but a side effect with this type of IUD is that there can be some prolonged bleeding when you first get it, um, but then mm-hmm. it'll eventually taper off. Um, yeah. And so is that the case? Yeah, exactly. So with the progesterone only method, so that's Mirena, Depo, uh, next one on, you can see regular bleeding with it. And over time, the bleeding will, it usually will continue to kind of evolve, meaning get better. But it is, it's, it's a huge patient dissatisfier. It's, it's very frustrating when you're in that window where you're having this bleeding and you're just like, I've been spotting every day for three weeks and I'm tired of it. You know, um, it's affecting my relationship with my partner. Um, so it can be very frustrating, but usually if you can hang in there, you know, give it a few months, it usually will slowly start to get better. Yeah. Okay. And, and that is the case for me. It's been mm-hmm. going ever since I got it and it's not heavy. <laughs> it's not like a, it's not a period. It's very, um, it, it's just there. It's kind of like a spotting, like a frequent spotting that just keeps mm-hmm. occurring. Um, so I'm looking yeah. for when that just ends and I can like freely just be. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. It's coming. Hang in there. It's coming. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So this was super helpful. Was that the final one? The only other two are the surgical, um, surgical options. So either getting your tubes tied or Mm -hmm. vasectomy, um, which is your something your partner would do. So, um, getting your tubes tied is, is nearly a hundred percent effective. Um, um, there is a small chance that you could still get pregnant um, after having your tubes tied. Um, so usually we do want you following up with your OBGYN provider um, after the surgery, just to kind of see how things are going. Um, but it's really effective. Um, and most days now it's done outpatient. So you don't even have to stay in the hospital for it, uh, but it's very effective. And that's like the end all for like, I don't want any more kids. I don't want to do birth control. I'm done. Um, it's not reversible. So online, you will see where things are reversible. You have to absolutely be sure that you are done with having kids um, before you decide to, to have this done. Um, when we look at the regret rates, the regret, rate, the regret rate is relatively high when it comes to um, getting your tubes tied. So for that reason, when you go in for your appointment, you say, I want to have two five. We are going to talk to you about every birth control under the sun at that visit, just to make sure that you are absolutely sure of having it done. And then the last one is vasectomy. And that's where your partner goes in um, to have a procedure that will prevent him from being able to um, father uh, on babies. Um, one thing to keep in mind is they have to follow up with their provider after the surgery. 
so they to make sure that everything is, is done. So you can get pregnant after you have a, um, a vasectomy done. So you make sure that your partner is following up, following up after the surgery. Um, and, and that kind of concludes the, the options in terms of, of birth control. Wow, this was super helpful. Like everything and more that I was envisioning. <laughs> um, <thank laughs> so much. Like I, I know I got a lot of value out of this. It's super helpful in like kind of confirming the choice that I made, but then also, mm -hmm. you know, has helped me think about like, okay, well, if this is not the right choice, I can go back and make a different decision. And so I'm really happy that you were here to talk through this with me and the rest of us. Is there anything else you think we should know when it comes to selecting birth control options or anything else you would add to our conversation for today? One thing I didn't really go into um, detail about was natural family planning. Um, it's, there are a lot of different methods um, that you can use for that. So um, if if you are someone who doesn't necessarily want to be on hormones, you don't want to use non-hormonal birth control, you just want to kind of track your period and, and kind of prevent pregnancy that way, then I would encourage you to reach out to your um, OBGYN provider and kind of talk through that. Um, but just know that, you know, um, it is a hard decision to make, you know, and everything won't work for everyone, but um, following up with your, your um, GYN provider and kind of talking through those things will hopefully help you kind of come to a decision. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. If there's anyone who wants to connect with you, how might they connect with you after listening to this? Good question. So I have an Instagram, Sabrina Neal NP. It's not that active right now. I am balancing uh, mommy and work. So I plan to get that up and running in April. And if you are someone, um, Dr. Thornton doesn't know this, if you're someone who's in the Virginia area um, and you are participating in Medicaid program, I actually am now with Inova um, in Virginia. So Inova Cares for Women Clinic in Alexandria. Um, so we only we only see patients with, with Medicaid. Um, so if you're looking for a provider or you wish to kind of discuss things a little bit more, feel free to schedule an appointment to come in to see me. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. I did not know this. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Okay. We'll have to talk about that later, but thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. This was super helpful. Um, and I know the mamas will get a lot of value out of this too. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. Hey mama, thank you for listening to the Balanced Working Mama podcast. If you love this podcast, please be sure to rate it and share it with another mama that you know. And don't forget to follow me and Balanced Working Mama on Instagram. I'll talk to you soon.